Thank y'all. So excited to be here with you guys this morning. And uh, we're going to be continuing the series on the book of Kings, 1 Kings chapter 2 and 3. So if you have your Bibles, would you please open them up to 1 Kings chapter 2 and 3. And again, my name is Lee Lopez. And the two best things about my life are my wife, my wonderful wife. She's around here somewhere taking care of my second most wonderful thing, uh, Sophia Lopez. Uh, so she's probably the one that's making all the noise. Um, but again, it's such a joy to be with the Grace Marietta family this morning. Um, I remember when I think I was one of the first people to come here uh, to take a tour, and it was back when Buddy was around, and uh, uh, Buddy and and um, Randy and myself and some other people were touring the, the building, and uh, now to see what it's turned into, it's really awesome. So thank you for having me. Thanks to Pastor Ben for trusting me, uh, and I've had the privilege of learning from him, and uh, you guys are truly blessed to have him as your pastor. Now, that should have given you enough time to go to uh, 1 Kings chapter 2 and chapter 3. If you're there, can you say amen? All right. Another thing that's a little different maybe from of me is that I like a little interaction. I think that when we are in heaven and Jesus begins to teach us and speak to us, I don't believe there will be silence. When Jesus says a word, I bet you that all the Pentecostal, the Baptist, everybody's going everybody's gonna to give him some feedback. So if you feel led by the Spirit, then uh, I would uh, love some of that feedback. And sometimes I'm going to ask it from you. But anyway, now if you're not at 1 Kings chapter 2, then you really need to read your Bible more. I want to start off by identifying the characters of this whole story that we're going to be looking at this morning. And um, really, this is almost like a Hispanic soap opera, what's going on right here. You see, David is about to die, about to go the way of all men, and he enters this space of spirituality where he tells Solomon, Solomon, follow all the decrees, follow all the laws. And after that moment of spirituality has ceased, he says, here's the hit list now. So we're going to look into some of these characters and uh, hopefully I have a slide up, and uh, I want to introduce you to the bad brother, Adonijah, the bad priest, Abathar. Now, he's, his life is spared. He's not killed. The bad general, Joab, now he's killed because he had killed innocent men in time of peace. The bad stranger, Shimei. He's a Benjamite, the Bible tells us, and the reason why it tells us that is because it wants us to make a connection between him and another Benjamite king who first ruled by the name of Saul, and he cursed David when he was being persecuted by his son Absalom, so that's why he's got to go. And then we got Abishag, the human blanket. She was there to keep the king warm. 
We have the good mother, Bathsheba, wife of David, mother of Solomon. We have the good friend, Barzillai. We have the good priest, Sadoc. And then we have the good general, Benaiah. With that in mind, I'm going to be going back and forth with these names, and probably I'm just going to tell you the bad priest or the bad uh, brother or the bad general. So now let's go to our passage this morning, which can be found in 1 Kings 2, verse 1 and 4. I want to focus. I can't do the whole thing, but I want to focus on a few passages. And it says, as the time of King David's death approached, he gave this charge to his son Solomon. I'm going where everyone on earth must go someday. Take courage and be a man. I think we need to give that advice more often. Observe the requirements of the Lord your God and follow all his ways. Keep the decrees, commands, regulations, and laws written in the law of Moses so that you will be successful in all you do and wherever you go. If you do this, then the Lord will keep the promise he made to me. He told me, if your descendants live as they should and follow me faithfully with all their heart and soul, one of them will always sit on the throne of Israel. What a deep spiritual moment followed by a hit list. Let's go to 1 Kings Chapter 3, verse 1 through 14. Now, that's a lot of reading, so I'm going to go type kind of fast. Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and married one of his daughters. He brought her to live in the city of David until he could finish building his palace in the temple of the Lord and the wall around the city. Verse 2, at this time, the people of Israel sacrificed their offerings at local places of worship for the temple, honoring the name of the Lord, had not yet been built. You see, there were shrines all over the land where people would sacrifice to foreign gods. Solomon, verse 3, loved the Lord and followed the decrees of his father David, except that Solomon, too, offered sacrifices and burned incense at the local places of worship. The most important of these places of worship was Gibeon. So the king went there and sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings. That night the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream and God said, What do you want? Ask and I will give it to you. Solomon replied, You show great and faithful love to your servant, my father David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. And you have continued to show his great and faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit in his throne. Now, O oh Lord my God, you have made me king instead of my father David. Notice how many yous are being used. But I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous they cannot be counted. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and not asked for a long life or wealth or death of your enemies, I will give you what you've asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one has ever or ever will have. And I will also give you what you did not ask for. 
riches, and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow me and obey my decrees and my commands as your father David did, I will give you a long life. Our God is a covenant God. He is a God of promise. He is a purposeful God. Solomon's story does not begin at birth. Solomon's story does not begin when David goes out in the balcony and takes a double look at Bathsheba compromises everything to the point that he is willing to kill and to destroy for the sake of his selfish, lustful desires. Solomon's story does not begin there. Even before that, God had a plan. Before the plan could enter into the mind of man, God had a plan. Before men could conjure up a strategy, God had a plan. Before men could bring something into fruition, God had a plan. And one day, as King David is realizing what is going on, the plan begins to start and begins to be set in motion. So, Solomon's story really begins in this place where David is gathered with the prophet named Nathan. And he says, I live in a house of cedar. I have imported the most expensive cedar wood from Lebanon, yet the ark of the Lord is in a tent. And he says to Nathan, Nathan, I am going to build him a house. And Nathan the prophet says, that's a great idea. God is with you. Oh, you will not fail. But the Bible tells us in 2 Samuel that the word of the Lord came to Nathan that night and says, it is not a great idea because David is a man of blood. He is a warrior. He has blood on his hands, and he will not build my house. Little did they know that God doesn't need a house. Little did they know that God is the God whose throne is in heaven and whose footstool is the earth. But God goes along with this idea of building him a house. And in 2 Samuel 7, 11 through 14, this is what the Lord says. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. The Lord declares, I will will build a house 
myself and establish a house for you. He is the one who I will build my, my house for my name and I will establish the throne on his kingdom forever. Now, Solomon's kingdom ended. This is a messianic prophecy. You see, Solomon is merely a picture. He is a type. He is a shadow alluding Christ, the real king whose kingdom will be forever. But Solomon's life does not begin at birth. It doesn't begin when his parents meet. It doesn't begin when there's a beep in the doctor's office. It doesn't begin when they find out the gender. It doesn't begin when they give him the name. It begins when the plan of God is set in motion. And so does the plan of God begin in your life. You are not your past. You are not what you have done. You are not what has been done to you. You are what God in his everlasting knowledge has placed in your life to be. And so we see that this promise of God transcends even the life of Solomon. And what we find is that, as many of us know, every time God has a plan, the enemy has a counterfeit plan. And so what happens in the life of Solomon is that this counterfeit king comes about by the name of Adonijah, a.k.a. bad brother. And Adonijah is a picture of Satan. He's an usurper. He wanted the throne. He wanted authority. He wanted to ascend to the highest place. So he begins to do what the enemy does. He begins to scheme. He begins to conspire. He begins to talk to people to turn against and so he gets Joab, the bad general, he gets Abathar, the bad priest, and he takes control of state, military, and church. And when he has the control of the state, the military, and the church, he decides, I know what we're going to do. We're going to throw a party. And in this party, I am going to coronate myself as king. So that's exactly what he does. When he thinks he's already won, he throws a party to coronate himself. But there's a second party that is started. The king gets word that Adonijah, the, the usurper, the counterfeit king, is telling everybody he is the rightful king. And so the king sends Solomon to be anointed by the good priest Sadok over at Gihon. And in Gihon, Solomon gets anointed. And after Solomon gets anointed, the Bible tells us that he rides the king's colt, the donkey. And he rides into Jerusalem where the people meet him yelling and shouting with joyous noises saying, long live the king. 
Just like someone else we know who rode in a donkey triumphantly into Jerusalem. And you see, as, as, as they're going on their way to Jerusalem in the donkey and the people are screaming so loud is the scream of the people, the joy of the people that they hear it at the other party. Now, they tried to ignore it. They tried to put it aside. They tried to internalize it. They tried to, 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 to figure out a way to not pay attention to it, but they couldn't. As they were partying, a messenger comes and says, you know, as you sit here partying, the true king is seated in his throne by the name of Solomon. Let me tell you how this applies to your life. Maybe God has given you a promise. Maybe in your life, God has says, I have a plan and a purpose for your life. And right now, it doesn't seem like it's working out. Right now, it doesn't seem like things are going according to plan. It might take a little while. It might seem like it's not working. It might seem like it's not going to happen. But let me tell you something. As the enemy is celebrating, the king is on his throne. As things are not appearing to be so, the king is on his throne. And if you believe it, if you believe that the king is in his throne give him a praise uh, give him some worship this morning yes I don't have to be worried I don't have to be nervous I don't have to be anxious because my king is on the throne COVID-19 can come about economic disaster can come about but my king is still in the throne oh though my father and my mother forsake me my king is on the throne though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death my king is on the throne I don't got to fear though a thousand are slain in my left and my right I don't got to fear my king is on the throne amen And so I've come to tell somebody that maybe is going through some difficult stuff. The king is still on the throne. Maybe there has been counterfeit situations, counterfeit kings in your life. But you have to set your gaze upon the true king. And Adonijah serves to us as a picture of Lucifer, which at the end will be dealt with and defeated. And God showed his faithfulness and his backing towards Solomon. And you notice that when God shows that in our life, when he shows up in our life and we can see that he is backing us up, that we can see that he's surrounding us, when we can see that he is our rock and our refuge and, and the God who we can go to, the God who will uh, uh, cover us under his wings, then we are by nature. This is not forced. This is not something that someone's going to be like, praise the Lord, come on, clap to the Lord. Hey, give them some praise. Nobody's got to do that when you've met the goodness of the Lord. And because he's seen the goodness of the Lord, he's lavish with his gifting. He's lavish with his sacrifice. And the Bible tells us that he burned a thousand burned offerings. A thousand burnt offerings. I mean, none of us can understand what a thousand burnt offerings are. All I can say is, is a lot. And to some it might seem lavish, to some might seem wasteful, but nothing you genuinely sacrifice to God is ever wasteful. 
And at the age of 25, most scholars believe, Solomon takes hold of the reign and he's living that first love experience. You remember? You remember when you first met the Lord? I remember when he first called my name. Oh, the grass was greener. The sky was bluer. There was nothing that could take away the joy that I had at that point. I remember when the Lord called me. I remember that I went back to school and I told all my friends about it. And I remember that for whatever reason, I felt convicted because I felt like I was a liar. And I went and I made every lie straight. And it was the weirdest thing because people were like, I don't, that happened like four years ago. I don't care about that. It's like, I just got to do it. I just, it was a lie. I did not date that girl, you know, like. <laughs> and uh, I remember also every Friday night, the Lord took me out of a life of debauchery, a life of addictions, and it's not even worth going into details, but every Friday night, I remember being in my room and just everything inside of me wanted to go out and party and drink and do all those things, everything inside of me. But I knew, I knew I had met the hand of God. I knew I had an experience with the living God. And I remember just putting, uh, 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 there's no one like you, Jesus. Y'all can't figure out what that song is because I'm in the wrong melody. But, but I remember, I remember putting that song. There is no one else like you, Jesus. Oh, anyway. <laughs> I remember putting that in the radio in my room, and I remember sitting down and kneeling down and praying and crying. And look, the devil's not going to stay still. My friends would go and knock on my window and say, hey, bro, we got you a blunt. Hey, come over, to, come over in the car. Let's go. What are you doing, you know? And I remember just being so desperately uh, just, I just wanted to serve him. And then one month turned into two months, and then two months turned into six, and six into a year, and a year into two, and two into three. And man, I would have given everything up for the Lord in those days. And it cost me to dream as I was in that little room. And reading the scripture and listening to preachings. It didn't cost me to dream to be a preacher or a speaker or anything like that. It cost me to dream to what could I do with my family? What could I do for other people? How could I be a better follower of him? You see, because an encounter with God would cause us to dream. 
when we encounter God's goodness, there is a dream that's put into our life. And Solomon has a dream. He's seen the goodness of God. And in this dream, he asks something that he is made famous for. But I think that just as important as what he asks is how he asked it. I want to give you three observations. Um, I'm usually horrible at my time. I don't know how much more time I have to preach, but um, they're saying another hour. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but I want to give you three observations on the petition of Solomon. And notice how God does not just answer his request, but at the very end, the scriptures tell us that he gave him more than what he asked. Because our God is not satisfied with just giving us what we ask. He is the God that exceeds our expectations. He is the God that will do immeasurably more than what we can think or imagine, ask, and it will be given. He is that type of God. And so the first thing that I want you to know, or the first thing that I observed in Solomon's petition, is that Solomon acknowledges what God has done. He says, I've seen you be faithful to my father. And you have, you, you, you saw that he keeps saying you, Lord, you, Lord, you. It wasn't luck, God. It wasn't chance, Lord. It wasn't that I got lucky. It wasn't that somebody actually put the word out. It wasn't that I made a way. It was you, God. The first thing that you must acknowledge when you come and you petition to God, it, that, is that it was him. That if it wasn't because of him, you would not be where you're at. It is not because you're good looking. It is not because you are the smartest. It is because, Lord, the Lord has had grace and mercy upon your life. It is not because you've been able to keep all the commandments. It is not because you've been able to do all the things. Actually, if we are truthful, we haven't. It is because of his mercy and it is because of his grace. Amen? And so that qualifies all of us. It qualifies all of us who are willing to acknowledge that it is because of him. Because it's not based on our background, it's not based on our knowledge, it's not based on our situation, it's based on our ability to acknowledge him. And no wonder Solomon's father says, magnify, oh my soul, the Lord, magnify. Let's, let's, let's dive into this word magnify. Magnify means to focus and to make bigger. And now God can't be made bigger 
than he already is. He's already king of kings, lord of lords, alpha and omega. But what can we do? We can magnify God in our situation, in our life. You want to see God in your life? Begin to magnify him in your life. Begin to make him bigger. I know that there's not a check in the table, but God, you are Jehovah Rapha. You're my provider. You're my healer. You are my everything. Begin to magnify the Lord and see how your problems begin to fade. See how everything in your life begins to align and make sense because life cannot be just about what I want. It has to be about seeing him in all in every aspect of it. And so when you begin to magnify God in your life, you begin to see how he's able. So Solomon magnifies God and says, you're able. It was you. The second one is humility. Be an empty vessel. He comes and he says, Speak to your servant. I am your servant. He's the king, but he acknowledges his position before the Lord. I am your servant. So I'm not going to dictate what I want you to do. I'm here to do what you want me to do. Be an empty vessel. Be about his kingdom. Observation number three. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added. You see that um, the very thing that God mentions about the request of Solomon is that it wasn't just a selfish request. It was for the greater good of his people. It was for the kingdom. And so acknowledging what God has done, humility in being about his kingdom are three observations that we can apply to our life as we come in request to our God. Now, I've reached the portion of my message where the piano player is going to come up and make me sound more spiritual. Solomon was a young man of 25. I remember when I was 25. I'm 29 now. Long time ago. <laughs> um, and I remember one of my main objectives uh, in this age, during this age, was to go and run for fun and actually enjoy it. And I did not achieve that. <laughs> uh, but I went, and I was, like, running half marathons and things like that. And um, I remember going and finding this quote by Muhammad Ali, who said, It isn't the mountains ahead to climb that wear you out. It's the pebble in your shoe. And uh, I remember one of the races I was running and there was like a little tiny, tiny pebble that got on my shoe. I didn't notice it till like probably the fourth mile. So the first four miles I'm running and 
nothing. Maybe I felt like there was an itch. But then after the fourth mile, I'm like, there's something there. At the seventh mile, it began to be irritated. By the 11th mile, and granted a half a marathon is 13.2, by the 11th mile, I was limping. Finally, I had to stop and take out the shoe and put, and, and realize that there was a, a little tiny, tiny, tiny pebble. Why do I say this to you? So many people have a plan of God for their life. Absolutely. If you're his children, God has a plan for you. And the verse that I base this entire message on is where says Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given to him. Except. And that except is like that little pebble that at this point of his life didn't really make a sense. It, it, it wasn't anything big. But that except grows and continues to grow and continues to grow and continues to become a bigger thing. And next thing you know, you have to stop. And I've seen so many people start out just being on fire for God. And they love God and they show God, but except and they no longer worship the way they used to worship and they no longer serve the way they used to serve and they no longer love the way they used to love you see Exceptions in the long run will always have an effect. And I don't know if I'm speaking to you, but maybe you have known, you have encountered the living God, and it could be said of you, Solomon, whatever your name is, loves God except... And we all have that. And must learn how to give it up, how to die to it. 